I think it is a different a different question, right? The the uh, the why kind of assumes to me there's somebody to blame, you know. And I think if you ask what is God trying to teach us, it actually opens you up to think about what are the good things, right? How do we be patient to get there? Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, insight and inspiration to thrive at work. I'm Ken Kennard, and I'm joined by Dr. Chip Roper and Sarah Evers. This episode features our conversation with Greg Brenneman. He's been a regular guest in our Resilience webinar series. And this conversation was recorded on November 12th, 2020. We're delighted to include him here on our podcast. Sarah, tell us more about Greg. Greg Brenneman is the full-time executive chairman of CCMP Capital, a large private equity firm. He serves as the lead director of the Home Depot and serves on the board at Baylor College of Medicine and a number of CCMP portfolio companies. Prior to that, he led turnarounds at Continental Airlines, Burger King, and PwC Consulting. And he did this by dramatically improving customer service, employee satisfaction, profitability, and financial returns. Greg is the author of Right Away and All at Once, Five Steps to Transform Your Business and Enrich Your Life. He gives us a unique glimpse at the nation's response to COVID, the vaccines, and the effect on the economy from his position at the intersection of business and healthcare. Thanks, Sarah. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Greg. It's, it's kind of a master class in chronic crisis leadership. So the, the crisis part, we get that. You know, in times of crisis, everything, the rules are changing and you have to be constantly adjusting and adapting. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not lost on us that some of the predictions that Greg made back in November have not come true, or at least not fully. And he's had to adjust his strategy, no doubt, since then. But I also use that word chronic because this crisis, this time of sort of unprecedented uh, change and disruption, is lasting longer than people thought and it just keeps getting longer it keeps getting extended and you know in the time of our recording this now it looks like the vaccine process is going to take longer than was originally thought uh, the political landscape has shifted and so there's just this constant need for adaptation greg's big charge is that leaders absorb fear and they exude hope and there's a faith dimension to this so i'm curious to hear how his faith anchors him as a leader at this level. One thing I'm looking for in this conversation is what is his perspective as a leader on this chronic crisis that we're in? Uh, you know, we all look to our leaders for perspective when there's a problem. And so how has he handled that question? Um, what questions does he think we should be asking during a time like this? And how is he viewing the crisis? And also, What's keeping his perspective fresh and relevant as things continually change? So we've got a lot on the menu in this conversation with Greg, so let's get into it. Okay, there's a, there's a few commands to get started here, but it's great to be here with you, Sarah. Thanks for that nice introduction, and uh, it's, great to be, uh, it's great to be back. I admire what you guys are doing with this, uh, with this series, and I think it's a, it's a terrific break in the week. Uh, for everybody to be able to gather and uh, and uh, just uh, see each other, if only virtually. Greg, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, being generous with your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I just let's just let's just start in terms of like what you see coming. You have the, such a unique uh, unique access uh, to information between 
know, the things you see in your portfolio companies and the, the board work you do uh, with Home Depot and Baker Hughes and then um, Baylor, you know, so it's like the medical, the economic, what do you see coming? Like what, what's realistic for us to expect over the next six to 12 months? What do you think? Yeah, I'd say on the medical side, let me start there. Um, I'm really encouraged by what's happening uh, on the medical side, Chip. Um, uh, you know, at Baylor, we actually, because Houston is such a diverse city, and, and some people don't know that, but the NIH, the National Institute of Health, likes to do a lot of their testing in Houston because of the diversity down here. And so we've had both the Pfizer vaccine being tested here, the Moderna vaccine, several other vaccines. And we also have actually, I've married uh, the NIH, uh, Baylor, and uh, Home Depot, and we're actually doing the testing for the rollout of the vaccine. So we're uh, doing sort of semi-randomized testing of different population groups. Ethnicity and uh, age is pretty, no you know, we're pretty knowledgeable about age, but we don't know about ethnicity and what the prevalence of antibodies in the different communities are. And uh, so they're trying to figure out in the government exactly what the best priority order is to roll the vaccine out. But the good news is um, uh, we have a vaccine in the Pfizer vaccine that, as you mentioned, was very, is very effective. We have more vaccines coming. M Moderna is based on that same technology, uh, spike protein technology that, uh, that Pfizer is. And I think that's going to be an absolutely terrific, uh, terrific vaccine as well. And uh, my guess is if you kind of think about the timing and the production and the rollout, by the second quarter, we're going to be, well, the rollout's going to start probably the end of this month, you know, beginning of next month. But I think by the second quarter, we're going to be, you know, in a place where we're beginning to sort of see the other side of the, of the uh, pandemic uh, from a, you know, herd immunity slash vaccination uh, point of view. The good news in the meantime is, um, uh, the bad news, obviously, we're spiking. I don't think following cases is all that useful because only a fraction of them are reported. So what I follow is hospitalizations and, 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 the, and deaths, basically, and mortality. And the hospitalizations used to be about two weeks on average, and they're down with the therapies down to four days, about on average. And the, and the, uh, the mortality rates are very low. So... Um, I think the early days of the pandemic, uh, there were a lot of unknowns, right? And a lot of people were sent back to nursing homes and, you know, there was, you know, a lot of things bad happening. I think we know all that. We know a lot more now and we're kind of managing, you know, managing through it. So it uh, uh, doesn't mean it's not, it's good. Uh, we're, we're in a spike now as a country, as you all know, you follow the news. I would turn off CNN if you listen to that. It's garbage. But 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 um, uh, but if you kind of follow it, the Midwest is kind of getting hit the hardest now from a hospitalization standpoint. And uh, and in the south and I think uh, you know, in the northeast where many of you are uh, not not so bad. I mean, it's uh, up uh, some and, and we're having a bit of a spike, but not so bad. So I'm encouraged. I think by the second quarter on the on the uh, uh, covid front, certainly by the third quarter, you know, we'll see the end. That's not real soon, but. We can put a date to it, and I think we can, you know, sort of gird ourselves for uh, for that uh, that level of uh, time. But uh, but we're making we're making some progress. So we see a headline that just says hospitalizations are way up. That's not really telling the whole story. No, I don't think so. I think the headlines. I think the press is, you know, depending on kind of what they're doing, they're just kind of locked into this. We've taken a pretty different approach. I'm in in Houston. I, I'm in Texas, obviously, and. Uh, um, everybody's masked up that I see. Um, we've actually, in our family, formed a really tight bubble, uh, and we're with our family. We're not seeing really anybody outside of that bubble. 
Uh, and, uh, and a lot of people are doing that, and, and that's kind of pretty good. But we have the economy open. So I've gone to work every day throughout the pandemic. Um, my wife told me she married me for better or for worse, but not for lunch. And, uh, and so I've, I've done that. But, uh, but uh, I think we can actually, and we have to, run the economy at the, uh, you know, at the same time. And I, th I think those trade-offs have gotten better and better over time as well. So let's talk about that a little bit too, the economy and where you see kind of business going. And Yeah, I think uh, business is pretty good right now. So uh, you've seen the unemployment rate and it's been steadily dropping. I think last month it hit 6.9%. That was about 3% lower than anybody predicted, you know, any... Uh, you know, economists predicted, you know, when we were in the you know, March, April, May uh, kind of time frame. So I think uh, economy is improving uh, uh, some places more than others, but but in generally improving. There are definitely jobs out there um, to, to be had uh, and uh, people can kind of pursue those. Um, uh, and I think that can get better. I think if we had a really targeted stimulus package, we'd be a little bit better off. But, uh, you know, and maybe we'll kind of get that. I think politically, we came out of this election, uh, the American people voted and, and, and they stated where they were. Um, I think we came out in a pretty good spot, which was gridlock. You know, it's a, as a business guy, I don't mind gridlock. It works for me. Um, and, uh, and so I think a lot of the, the really, you know, stuff at least I was worried about as a business person from the, the far left, if you will, um, is dissipating because uh, the House is so close now. I mean, uh, just a couple votes apart and the Senate, you know, we have those two Georgia races. I think they're most likely to go Republican. Um, so I think we're going to have, you know, we're going to have likely have gridlock here for a while, which means that uh, the moderates in both parties, the, the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House and the people like Man Manchin from uh, uh, West Virginia and uh, Murkowski and Collins and Romney. And, uh, you know, I think that they, we're going to have to meet in the middle, right, on some of, on some of this stuff. So that's, that's always been pretty good for the economy, pretty good for our country. So I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, uh, in terms of where that'll come out. But, uh, but, uh, but I think the country spoke very loudly that they, uh, they, 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 they didn't necessarily like the president, but they liked the policy. And uh, they didn't, they certainly didn't, you know, this blue wave just did not happen, which uh, as a business person, you know, I was praying to the almighty God that wouldn't happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you think about the, um, well, no, actually, we have a poll. Let's just look at the poll. And we, we asked our, our audience tonight what, oh, my gosh, it's just a completely, uh, can you see that, Greg? Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's, 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 fairly, uh, it's fairly balanced, actually. Yeah, we don't have many people that are saying nothing is keeping them up at night. Let's see. Yeah. Job or career uncertainties, probably, and other, which is not really helpful, but. Interesting. Very spread out over uh, all these different things that are going on. It's kind of an unprecedented time um, of, of, of different factors that are disrupting our lives and our, and our ways of working. So when you, when you think about practices that you, have, you and leaders have embraced to continually stay open uh, to new data and adjust, because, you know, like, this is different than what we thought it was like what we originally thought it was going to be. And, you know, it keeps changing. And I know I remember, you know, you've talked about how at Home Depot you were kind of prepared for the worst, but it's actually been really a good season for Home Depot. And like, how do you what kind of things do you do to stay abreast of the best data and then 
make changes strategically. But Chip, in my life, uh, in the businesses we run and even in my life, I've always uh, written a one-page plan. Mm -hmm. So I know kind of exactly where we're heading and, and, what, and what we're doing. And, and that serves as kind of a true north, right? Of, uh, you know, in business, what your, what's your market plan, your financial plan, your product plan, your people plan, just three or four points under each. And in life, kind of same, same thing uh, in, uh, in life. And I find that that kind of keeps me grounded. So as I look at that, then I start saying, okay, how do you adjust? And this has been a year of total adjustment. And for those of you facing job uncertainty, I really feel for you. It's been, some industries have done incredibly well and other industries have gotten crushed by the virus. Uh, and, uh, and just depending on where you are, it kind of depends, you know, it's, it's random. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's com completely unpredictable. But we had, for example, in the spring, we own a pool company called Hayward pool equipment company. So think pumps, filters, controls, heaters. And by the way, pool equipment, you can't even find it. I mean, we can't make enough equipment. It's, uh, it's crazy because everybody's gone urban to suburban to rural. Uh, you know, that, that, that move has been very real. But, you know, when it, COVID hit, our, pl our plant in China shut down. And so we had to figure out how do we produce. We have a lot of production in the United States and a plant in Spain. So we shift all the production. By March, China's rocking and, ro and rolling, you know, like February, early March, and Spain is shut down. So th this has just been a year of kind of constant uh, being flexible and constant adjustment. And the one thing we've learned in our businesses, and maybe some of you have learned in your businesses, is the fact that our costs are a lot more variable than we thought they were. So I think just over a time of prosperity, which had lasted 10 or so years, there's an underlying element in the cost structure we found that got built up and it wasn't necessarily bad, but we found out when the rubber hit the road and demand went to zero, uh, a lot of that was a little bit more, you know, easier to get rid of than we might have expected. And so uh, the margins in our, our companies have uh, have gone up because, uh, you know, once we, you know, we had to zero base budget in about a week. Uh, and so as we brought it back, you know, you, you just some things you just didn't bring back. But, uh, but it has been just a whole year of absorbing data and adjusting. And uh, I have a couple economists I follow to sort of, you know, at least mm -hmm. get the read of what they're doing. But more than anything, just talking to CEOs and talking to both in our portfolio and then on my boards and other CEOs to say, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? How are you handling it? And I think we talked the last time, but leaders are really here to absorb fear and, 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 and exude hope, right? So that, that kind of is our job. And so you have to find those bright spots, even if, say, you're in the airline business, you got you to gotta kind of sort through it and, and, uh, and, and find a way out. Yeah. Well, this is an important pro tip, though, I think, for all of us, because it, it sounds like what you're saying is it all starts with the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, you adjust the plan uh, based on new intel, but the plan, as you said, is your true north. And, um, you know... Uh, this is your book right away and all at once, and you go through that plan in here in detail. It's excellent. We highly recommend it. because um, it And it's not just about, it is about business. It's great for business, but it's also about your life and how to apply the same principles to both. Um, really helpful. When you look back on these eight months so far, which sounds like it's going to be another six or so, but when you look back already, what are some things that have surprised you? You know, I, I think... Uh, um the one thing that surprised me is how is how uh, political and personal the whole idea of masking got. So, I mean, it was really strange because a mask is an inanimate object. We've had them for 100 years, right? 
At least since the Spanish flu, because, uh, yeah, it was, it was an issue then. You know, we, we know they're effective against communicable diseases, and that just became, in my mind, a very illogical political statement, you know, not to, uh, not to wear a mask. And I almost think of it from a Christian perspective of uh, treating others as how you'd want to be treated or protecting other people and just your kind of duty uh, to society. So that, that surprised me a little bit, I guess, uh, just how, how, crazy that, uh, how crazy that got. Um, I've been surprised at how nice it's been and how healthy I feel because I haven't been traveling four days a week. Uh, I don't know if any of the rest of you are experiencing that, but the, at least our time with our family has been really precious. Uh, and, you know, I, that doesn't mean I, I won't be glad to go back to, you know, a little different, you know, mode than I'm in now. But I don't think we'll ever go back or I'll ever go back to I got to fly to this city for that one meeting uh, and I got to do that, you know, consistently. I think these this technology has worked better and they're working on 3D the holograms of this technology which are uh, you know which are going to be great and and I think it it actually uh, has created a you know just an ability to be with your family and and the people you love a lot more. So I think that's uh, that's been good and uh, and then the thing that kind of surprised me as you emotionally go through this time and you never think it's going to end is just um because uh, we talk about it, I you know have a young lady in my office, very smart. Uh, you know, it helps me out, and uh, and we talk about just applying a little bit of grace to each other, right? Because you kind of go through these. I don't know, maybe you don't. I, I kind of go through these swings of, uh, you know, this is going to be okay, and you know we're going to work through this, and you know, and I'm really busy, so let's you know, let's just keep rocking. And then you go through these things of like, is this ever going to end? And missing that kind of. Uh, even though you're, you can socially link up with somebody, you're physically distant. And that's just a different feeling than, you know, what, you know, we've been used to in our lives. And, uh, you know, you miss that. So I think just, just having a little bit of grace to realize that, um, you know, when other people are down, you need to pick them up a little bit. And, uh, you know, when you're down, you probably ought to just not, not be too visible, uh, you know, if you're a leader, because, uh, you know, it's, we all go through that, you know, vulnerable and being vulnerable to people and being honest with people, I think it's just been really important, but uh, learned a lot. Professionally, I think the flexibility has been amazing, uh, just the ability to adapt and uh, for people to adapt and move on and adjust their businesses. I've never seen anything like it in my career. I mean, we've had 9-11 and the financial crisis and we've had recessions before, but nothing like where the world stops and you just shut down for months. So uh, uh, just the flexibility has been good. We spent a lot of time, Chip, just figuring out how to keep our businesses essential. I didn't want to shut any of them down. So, you know, basically like our our business, I'll show you, our business that, um, you know, makes kids uniforms for kids sports, you know, football, basketball, you know, YMCA, you know, uh, high school, college sports, the team wear, you know, we pivoted them in a minute to just making masks, you know, and uh, we saved the business because the revenue was down to almost zero. And we started making these masks and we started selling a boatload of masks. And it's just that kind of creativity of saying, we have the fabric, we have the machines, we want to keep people working. What do we do? Has been phenomenal to watch, I think, in this, in this period of time as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, mean, I don't think we've ever experienced, we, we haven't experienced anything like this in our generation. I think, um, I've, you know, I've talked to people that are older, like in World War II. Yeah, I think that would be the closest example, right? Global, yeah. you know, the global up, upheaval, lots of, changes in rhythm and life and figuring out how to make it work and we're we're seeing that 
we're seeing that. I think, and I think we're going to come yeah. out as a, as a more resilient nation, a more resilient world as a result of that. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute. But first, Sarah and Ken will share a bit about the transforming power of executive coaching. Ken, do you remember when you first hired an executive coach? Yes, it was one of those times when I could feel the seasons changing. It wasn't the old season, and yet it wasn't the new one. Something new, though, was coming. My work responsibilities were ramping up, and my role was shifting from managing the work to leading the organization. In addition, Jennifer and I were expecting our fourth child, and my roles of father and husband were expanding as well. It seemed I was leading everywhere, at church, I was leading a book club, everywhere I go, it seemed like I was in this leadership position. I remember just feeling anxious that I was not prepared for the challenges ahead. That's when I hired a coach who dedicated time and expertise just to helping me navigate this new season. Hmm. So what was the coaching like? Well, at first it was a new experience for me because uh, he asked me lots of powerful questions and he challenged me to get clear about my values. And uh, together we developed a plan for moving forward. Uh, The result was that I was much more in touch with who I am and who God was calling me to become. Years later, I've been through many seasons of change and I still have a coach. And now I find myself on this team of executive coaches right here at VOCA Center. It sounds like coaching is now an integral part of helping you get clarity as you lead. Likewise, we wanna provide that same clarity for you, our listeners. When you find yourself in need of support, challenge, or insight for your leadership, then it's time to invest in coaching. Whatever season you find yourself in, we're here to provide a safe and empowering space for your development. To get started, sign up for a free consultation and we'll craft a coaching plan together. You can sign up at vocacenter.org coaching. Now back to our conversation. Let's let's talk about your faith a little bit. You know, you you have this this powerful phrase that leaders uh, absorb fear and exude hope, um, and you've talked about you know as Christians we should have we should be the most hopeful people in the world. Um, you know, how how does that really play out for you on a day to day basis? Maybe even on those days when you're not sure when this is going to end, and it's it's just this is feeling like a grind because I man I have those days too. Yeah, you know I think. Um, uh, one book of the Bible that I'd memorized uh, about a year before this pandemic hit with some buddies of mine. And then, um, you know, we were at the office, we were memorizing it too, is the book of James. And the book of James in the Bible is set up for this situation perfectly. So I think God kind of gave that at least to me during that, that time frame. And James 1, 2 through 4, you know, is uh, many of you will recognize this as consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete in everything. And um, there's just so much wisdom that pours out of James for, we're in the middle of this, so how do we turn this into something you know, meaningful? And certainly with the companies I've done that, at work what I've tried to do is take the young people that uh, work with me and actually say, this is one time where I'm going to be in the office every day uh, for a really long period of time. So you know the boards I'm on, you know the companies we own, you know uh, the nonprofits that we do work with, uh, and uh, which of those situations actually interest you, and what meetings do you want to sit in on? You you have my calendar. 
And so, um, you know, I've just kind of turned it into a time where you can kind of get an Uber MBA, you know, really fast if you want to, you know, if you want to do that. And you can kind of pick and choose, uh, you know, what situations do you want to, you know, do you want to be in and what do you want to learn about? And I think that's been a really cool time, uh, you know, in that sense. So that's just kind of one example of uh, your kind of the application of faith. And if you kind of go through to the end of the book of James, it, it talks a lot about, you know, you don't really control what happens. <laughs> God is truly in control. And when you can actually think of, you know, we have an eternal God. Uh, he's got an eternal time frame, not a temporal time frame. And uh, what's he trying to teach us during this time? What can we learn? You know, how can we double down? How can we actually exude that hope for other people? Uh, and that's been, to me, kind of uh, fun this, during this time. I mean, it's because uh, people are very vulnerable and very honest and are fighting a lot of issues. You know, parents home with children. Some of you may be in that situation. And there's just so many things going on in people's lives. Uh, and you now, with this video stuff, you have a window, unless you put up that great, like, uh, display chips got behind him, you actually have a window into their lives that you might not have. That's right. I'm hiding my life. Yeah, you're hiding your life. You're, you're not being transparent, I guess. Uh, but but, uh, but uh, it really does, uh, you know, provide a... The book of James has really provided a, a foundation for me this year in just uh, thinking of this trial. Is there, a, is there a difference between asking the... You said, you said you ask, well, what is God trying to say? Is there a difference between asking the what question and versus the why? Like, why is this happening? Why would God allow this? I think it is a different, a different question, right? The, the, uh, the why kind of assumes to me there's somebody to blame, right? You know, and I think we all, you know, especially in this politicized world with social media. By the way, I'm not in any social media platform intentionally because I just don't want that in my life. But, and so I'm ignorant to this, but, but, you know, with all the negativity that's out there, people are always asking the why me, why this, why that, you know, as if there's kind of a blame that exists beyond, you know, and I think if you ask, what is God trying to teach us? It actually opens you up to think about what are the good things, right? What are the things that have come out of this? And, uh, there's certainly a lot of anxiety, but, but, uh, Man, the extra time with your family, the, uh, you know, the, uh, I've traveled, I travel the world every day and I never leave my chair. I mean, I used to like beat myself up like mad doing that. You know, there are some real, you know, benefits to that. My, my group of CEOs I meet with every week, you know, there's four of us. We've met through this whole time socially distanced. They're older than I am, so they, they have more to risk, but, 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 uh, we met and, and uh, it's been really rich time, uh, and consistent time for us. And so, I think there's a, I think God, you know, teaching us a little patience here, especially now we know there's an end. How do we be patient to get there, right? You know, I, that, that's kind of, that's kind of why I think asking the, what is God trying to teach me or what can I get out of this? How can I become closer to him? You know, A.W. Tozer has a statement, God doesn't have favorites, but he does have intimates. You know, so how do you become an intimate of God in a time like this, right? I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. Have you changed anything on that score? I mean, I know you've, you've, you've talked about uh, like kind of the recipe, so to speak, for you and pursuing that intimate relationship with God is your, the Bible study, the, the community of CEOs that share your faith and you guys meet every Sunday in, in church and some other things. Has your, has your kind of, have your spiritual rhythms adapt, been, have you adapted them in any way to this, yeah, this I, moment? I would say, Chip, just maybe been more consistent because I've been, you know, here, uh, 
you know, and able to kind of do that. And I think uh, able to pour more time into my family, my kids, uh, you know, in that, in that realm as well. So uh, I think just doubling down more than changing, right? I think the rhythm actually kind of has been, I, I'm sort of a creature of rhythm and habit. So uh, the, the habits have stayed the same, but, uh, but I think the intensity has changed. And, and certainly uh, every day you wake up and there's a new problem. I, you know, I generally, I sit at, at our firm at a level as executive chairman where the, the really good things get celebrated down below me and the really bad things kind of pop up to me. So I'm, I'm dealing with something every day. I'm pretty used to it. But, but That's what your desk is for. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I found that too. I found that there's just more time to just, yeah. you know, in, instead of a half an hour maybe in the morning, I can spend an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, and you can go deeper and more intense. And it's actually, I would agree. I think it's been rich. Um, you know, you're, you're working with all kinds of leaders all the time. Share with us a few examples of leaders you just think have knocked it out of the park in terms of embracing the moment, the ups and downs, the uncertainty, and just have led well. Well, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Paul Klopman is the, uh, is the uh, president of the Baylor College of Medicine. Incidentally, his wife, Dr. Mary Klopman, Mary is the president of the Duke College of Medicine. So uh, having dinner, Ron and I have dinner with them a lot, and it's a blast because they, uh, they're both infectious disease experts as well. So, uh, so there's a lot of good information that comes at these dinners, but also a lot of laughs. Um, and uh, uh, Paul has done a phenomenal job leading during this time. He's a widely recognized and widely respected uh, doctor, for sure. But um, I, he and I had talked about, and this is something I used to do in the business as I ran, uh, leaving a, a video every Friday. Uh, and so he actually leaves a video every Friday. You can get it on YouTube if you just put uh, Paul Klopman, Baylor College of Medicine in. And he actually talks about what's happened over the last week and what's happened the next week. And he'll take a special topic and go deep on it, like how did ICUs start or you know, uh, you know, what's the vaccine, you know, situation look like. He actually did a, uh, a piece on how do you actually create a holiday bubble for Thanksgiving and Christmas, which was really good. And, and you know, just because I think it's useful to you, I'll, I give you the, 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 the cliff notes of that is if you actually be really careful about a week before Thanksgiving, say, uh, and Thanksgiving, and either the, the Friday, Saturday, or the Monday, go get a PCR test. That's not the easy one they put in your mouth. It's the one they shove up your nose. Uh, which is, uh, is, is, the, is the only real, really good test. And they're available. Go get a PCR test, and um, everybody that comes out of that test okay, put in a bubble at Thanksgiving, essentially, and, uh, and don't see anybody else outside of that bubble. And then uh, you can actually kind of successfully complete the holiday. So um, things like that, very practical things he does on this video. But uh, it's been a great example of leadership because... Uh, not only the Baylor community, which is about 7,000 docs that provide, you know, MD Anderson's docs, you know, Texas Children's docs are all Baylor College of Medicine professors, but, but it also uh, is, has gone out to a much broader audience. And it provides a sense of every Friday, consistency, calmness, thoughtfulness, honesty. You get real information, uh, you know, as opposed to you know, what you watch on the news. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it's just, it's been fantastic. So that's one great example of, uh, you know, terrific leadership. Craig Manier at Home Depot, I think has done an awesome job of, uh, kind of staying calm and man, we have had to work through so many things. So at first we, I shared this the last time thinking that the company might have to pay its employees for its associates for 60 days. 
without any revenue. And so we raised $13 billion to be able to do that. Uh, and uh, we worked hard to do that. Of course, we stayed open and sales have been crazily through the roof because everybody's, nobody's traveling, everybody's putting the money back in their home. Um, and, uh, and so then it was actually, how do we get our supply chain? So we're a $125 billion company. How do we get our supply chains to grow 20 and 25% a year, right? I mean, that's like another $30 billion company. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. So we just worked through lots of things, and Craig has just been perfectly calm. He's uh, a guy of strong faith. Has been very encouraging, you know, to the team through that. Has kind of cheerleaded everybody, you know, through that, and just solved one problem at a time. I think he's just done a great job of that, absorbing a little bit of fear that he shares with me, but we don't share with anybody else, and uh, and then exuding a lot of hope. So we got over. It's almost like over communication, steady communication. Uh, we've got the constant pivot uh, with Home Depot, but also both in both cases, you said calmness. It sounds like that's... Yeah, it's, uh, it's important to, to do that. Uh, what we did at our firm was kind of interesting. So right when COVID hit, you know, everybody in New York is remote still. You know, I haven't been in the office since March 11. So we put in at uh, Central Time at 8 a.m. a consumer healthcare, uh, the consumer healthcare groups got, get together every morning. And at 9 a.m., the industrial group gets together. I said on both of them. But it's just an everyday touch point, you know, as we've kind of, you know, moved through this period and we've had to take a lot of action. But uh, that over communication, we never would have communicated like that, uh, you know, prior to uh, prior to COVID. But it's been fantastic, you know, to, so to do that. So I think there's been a lot of good examples out there of uh, of leadership, I, you know, and I'm hoping that, you know, Washington can just, you know, if they just calm down and go into gridlock, I think that would be that would be awesome. So they, that would keep us all a little bit calmer, I think. Well, this is this is really great and just a great overview. And I really appreciate um, you know the 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 pushing through the the clickbait and the sensational headlines to you know real information, uh, real metrics to look at, uh, and just some great examples in your web of of leaders that you're working with and mentoring of, of people that are doing well in, un, in an unprecedented time, a really challenging time. So we're gonna, we're gonna move into questions now. And uh, Sarah always gets to ask the first question. Uh, so Sarah, you're up and then uh, we'll turn it over to you, our audience, and uh, Ken will be feeding your questions. So please uh, get those questions in through the Q&A um, and, and we'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll process as many as the, of those with Greg as we possibly can. So Sarah, go ahead. Well, you talked about um, the big quote we often hear from you is that leaders absorb fear and they exude hope. Um, and then we talked, you talked about how it's your desk that all the big problems rise up. The celebrations happen below, but the big problems rise up. So as you're looking at these massive issues, problems that can't be solved below you, but only come up to your desk, what are some of the disciplines or practices for you in absorbing the fear, exuding the hope, and collaborating with the leaders around you? Yeah, I, I think, Sarah, that's a great question. I, to me, I just uh, sit back and say, if you have an eternal perspective, everything kind of calms down and, and actually goes into perspective, right? So, uh, you, know, we, uh, we, uh, you know, we serve a risen God, and uh, we're on this earth for a period of time that in the scope of eternity, however long it is, is pretty short. And uh, if you can kind of back up every day and say that and, and, uh, and then say, you know, God, what do you have for me today? 
you know, what, you know, what do you, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? And, and that, I try and do that every morning, you know, sit, sit back and say that. And then, uh, I don't know, they don't seem that bad, that, that to be that big a deal. And I guess some of us have lost all our hair and have been around a while. So we've seen a lot and it gives you just a piece of, you know, this too will pass. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen, and you've seen, uh, many of us have seen a lot of administrations politically come and go, you know, a year later, do you ever like even think about it again? You know, I mean, it's just like not that big a deal. There, there's, uh, there's plenty of examples out there of, uh, you know, we got, we have a kind of resilient country in terms of the governance of it. And so, um, whatever side of that you were on, it, it's, it's just, I, I participate in it. I enjoy it. I love following it. Uh, I have opinions about it, but it's not who I am. And I think if we can all remember who we are is, uh, is, uh, you know, a, a, a son or a daughter of the living God. Um, and that's how we ought to, uh, comport ourselves as we're kind of going through it. It, just, it makes the problems like seem a lot smaller. I mean, they're, they're, they're not that big a deal. Thanks, uh, Greg. We got a lot of questions coming in. As I as I move into questions, I'm going to launch a poll just to find out from our audience here. Uh, where would you like Greg to dive deeper in this question and answer period we've got? So while you're answering that poll, uh, Victor wants to know uh, what is your biggest challenge, Greg, as a senior leader right now? What's your biggest challenge? Yeah, I'd say uh, it's there's just so much going on. I, I think. Uh, Chip's kind of said it well, which is we get a lot more done every day than we used to get done. Um, and uh, uh, I think probably my biggest challenge is just uh, energy and pace because uh, there's so much coming at us uh, at, at once. And uh, where we used to actually have a reprieve, maybe we jumped on an airplane, we flew somewhere. There used to be kind of a cadence and break to the days. Maybe we went to a dinner with somebody. Um, those breaks have actually kind of just disappeared and rolled into one, you know, thing after another. So sometimes I get to the end of the day and I say, wow, <laughs> that was a lot in one day, right? Uh, you know, you start your day in the Middle East or Europe and you finish in Asia and, uh, and uh, you, know, you've, you know, you've had 15 different interactions on 15 different issues. And, you know, that, might, that used to take you a week and now it happens in a day. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge is just... Uh, you know, getting used to that 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 pace of, uh, of play, it's uh, it's fast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Ian wants to know if you could talk about the opportunities for embracing upskilling initiatives. Home Depot has a program called Orange Method, apparently. I don't know anything about that, but apparently Ian does. Can you speak about how we should be thinking about using this time to make personal, professional, spiritual progress? Yeah, no, it's a it's a phenomenal question, Ian. Um, I was just having this conversation today with uh, my chief of staff, which is a you know very very talented uh, young lady that works works for me, and um, uh, we were just talking about what what is it? You know, I ask I just ask questions. You know, what is it you want to make sure as you come out of this you picked up and you learned? And you know, you know what would you you know what would you like to make sure you uh, you took away? And I think this is the perfect time to sit back and say. I've got this extra time. I really can't socialize, right? I mean, you know, you can with your family, but you know, the normal socialization we're all used to, and it frees up a lot of time. And I think it really is a great time to sort of step back and say, uh, and say, uh, you know, what is it that we can, uh, you know, we can uh, do and we can learn, you know, in this time, and and uh, how do we, 
how do we best apply it so we don't get to the end and find out we just binged out on Netflix, right? You know, and uh, or whatever it is you know that you watch because because uh, uh, it is a precious time uh, to be able to do that. And so uh, my encouragement to her, I mean, this is probably not for this group, but uh, study for the GMAT, you know, and take it during this time. Uh, uh, you know, pick one of the companies we own and tell me, you know, you'd like to, you know, what you'd like to do to go deep into helping, you know, in that or, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's uh, just a bunch of other things that we do a lot of charity work. So if you have a charity you're particularly fond of dive in. All right, let's look at the, let's look at the results. Um, pretty last poll, we didn't have a very clear winner, but I think, I think we do here. Um, Two strike me as being the most popular here. First of all, what to expect in the economy in the near future? No crystal ball, but you've got some sense of what's coming through this winter into the spring. What are you expecting from an economic perspective? And then I want to follow up with this second place winner about becoming one of God's intimates. But first, the economy. What do you see there? Yeah, so uh, on the economy, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. We're recovering at a pretty good rate uh, economically. Um, the initial stimulus actually put a lot of cash in people's pockets, and that's sort of run, it's starting to run out now. So we could use another stimulus, but we don't need the stimulus that, say, the House had with uh, Pelosi. We don't need $3 billion. We need some targeted stimulus to small business. And we probably need some additional unemployment insurance, but not $600 a week. At $600 a week, 73% of the people make more money staying at home than working. That was a disaster. That's a disaster. Um, so maybe $300 a week, something like that, you know, which should get people back to work. But economically, I'm cautiously optimistic. My hope is that uh, 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 President-elect Biden has put this task force together, uh, you know, on COVID. Uh, and it seems to be just loaded with these shut down the economy people. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure he could actually do it if he wanted to, to be honest with you. But I just hope, because I don't think we'll listen down in Texas. Uh, but, um, but I just hope we keep the economy open. Because I, I think to shut it down again, we know that doesn't help. I mean, it might stop hospitalizations for a week or two, but it, there, it doesn't do anything with the virus. So... So, uh, you know, that I think it'll depend on kind of what happens a little bit on the stimulus, but not but not that much, but a lot on kind of can we keep operating through this period of time? And uh, I think the economy will continue to recover. It's come back a long, long way in terms of uh, from where it was. And uh, and uh, it's pretty resilient right now. There's plenty of consumer money out there to be spent uh, just in general, not for every family, but in, in general there is. And so. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic the economy is going to be fine as long as we don't do something stupid and try and shut it down by fiat. Yeah, the second one was you mentioned God doesn't have favorites, but he has intimates. What do you, for someone who wants to be one of God's intimates, uh, what, what, what's the path forward there? Yeah, yeah, I just wrote my, this is not going to surprise you. I just wrote myself a list of kind of how would you go about doing that, right? So that kind of means being in scripture every day, right? Doing something in scripture, both in reading and memorization, you know, I think, uh, is important. I kind of changed what I read, you know, in terms of what am I reading. Um, so, I mean, I, I like to read, I used to like to read John Grisham and Greg Isles and, you know, just something entertaining, you know, to, uh, you know, as I was traveling around. And I kind of flipped that and I started reading, uh, you know, I, I like theology. So I started reading a lot more theology, you know, um, uh, 
A.W. Tozier, Keller, you know, uh, 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 J.I. Packer, uh, and, uh, and, and started kind of reading things that were kind of more, you know, more meaningful and could kind of build something in me. But, but probably the smartest thing I did, um, and, and clearly the most impactful, was forming this group with three other C Christian CEOs that meets every Sunday morning from generally 6.30 to 8.30, and, you know, we do a Bible study and, uh, and some scripture memory, and we share prayer requests uh, with each other and share life together. And uh, I've been done that for like 14 years now. So uh, uh, that's, been a, that's been a real blessing uh, uh, to me, you know, to have that, that, that group of guys. So those are some of the things kind of to sort of build in. Uh, and, and so I don't think it's as much as, you know, just sitting there and meditating, oh, that, that's helpful. But you have to actually do something and do it consistently. <laughs> and I just wasn't doing, I mean, I'll be honest, I just wasn't doing that all the time. I mean, it wasn't like I was into sex, drugs, and rock and roll or anything, but I just wasn't as, I was like the church in Laodicea. I was neither hot nor cold, but I was lukewarm. So, um, so I decided I probably ought to step it up a little bit. All right, let's get into some takeaways. Uh, my takeaway is that leaders need to embrace their problem-solving role. You know, our, our clients come to us and they want assistance with various issues they're facing. And sometimes it seems that they're, they're frustrated by the fact that they have problems to solve all the time. I think Greg makes it really clear that that's what leaders do. Leaders solve problems and actually leaders solve the toughest problems. And Greg models for us the kind of disciplines, the kind of resources we need to connect to so that we can solve those problems quickly and get on to the next problems to solve. So one thing I was listening for in this interview with Greg was what is his perspective as a leader? How does he help people understand what's going on and what, what view they should take on it? And here I noticed he took the growth mindset when he asked, what is God trying to teach us? And how can we be open to the good things that are happening around us. And I just found that really encouraging. You know, I, I do think there are good things happening. We're not always open to them. And I do think there's a lot to learn. There's a lot that God could be teaching us during this time since this pandemic is going. So I find that particularly helpful and encouraging. You know, I heard that connection between Greg's charge, leaders absorb fear and exude hope with his comments about being calm. So there seems to be a freedom for the leader when you're rooted and anchored in faith, because that's when we can walk in humility and readjust our plans, which it almost seems like it closes the loop so that leaders can absorb fear and exude hope. Yeah, so we encourage you to take these action items, to, to ask yourself, you know, what does it look like for you to lean into your problem-solving role as a leader? How can you do that with more enthusiasm, more of an embrace of it? or how do you need to sharpen your perspective? What questions do you need to be asking? What's it look like to shift from what to what, from why to what? Uh, or how do you feed your calm with your faith? You know, how, how do you take what you heard today and put it into play in your work and in your leadership so that you're more resilient? At VOCA, we know that everybody wins when a leader gets better. You win, your team wins, even your family and friends win. But we also know that it's impossible to get better alone. See, leaders need someone safe with whom to process decisions and strategy, and leaders need a trusted thought partner to sort through the demands and opportunities on their plate and create their best path forward. We deliver that space through executive coaching. That's confidential, professional development tailored to your goals. 
So sign up for a free consultation at vocacenter.org slash consult to start the conversation with one of our trained, experienced, faith-driven coaches. Everybody wins when a leader gets better, so let's explore your better together. This interview was recorded in front of a live virtual audience, and you can be part of that audience. Register to join us and shape the conversation with your questions. Sign up for the next live webinar at vocacenter.org slash webinar. We'll see you next time on the Resilient Faith at Work podcast, where you get insight and inspiration to thrive at work.